the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 271 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protecting Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as at checkerus.com. But on this here program, the Protecting Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today tonight whenever you listen to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, recording this early uh, Las Vegas morning Pacific West Coast U.S. time. Um, uh, for UFC 271, Adesanya Whitaker 2. Check the timestamps for when that starts. And as per usual, I will recap all of my picks and plays for the end of the episode. If you don't care to hear my voice, to which I don't blame you. Or less of. Um, in the meantime, just going to be a couple quick shouts. Uh, a brief recap of Ultimate Fight Night 200, UFC Vegas 47. Um, it was a good night, but again, it's going to have to be quick because, of course, here I am coming to you late in the week, as per usual. Despite for how many years now, really trying to get this out and recorded on Thursdays. And uh, despite hating the person who is always late and always has an excuse for whatever reason when it comes to this shit in this industry, and since I've gotten in it, I'm just... (sighs) Yeah, I just... Yeah. It's... Bunch of stuff. Um... Yeah, I'm 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 not in a not in a great mood right now. I got uh I'm just I don't know, just a crazy day, crazy week. Um I had to play car rescue with the with the girl. You know, it's like dogs, car, uh, parents' health, my health. It's something every week, right? It's just all some kind of multiple fucking wild cards. Um to play car rescue, to just all the repairs that were put off for me having COVID uh, went down today. Just had a bunch of uh, had a bunch. Had a, had a couple of old uh, Italian East Coast men just yelling at each other and, and just making a big fucking ruckus. Uh, although we did get some stuff done. Um, you know, of course, it's a crazy work day because I have uh, two articles. All my the rest of my tape study to get done because it's been a fucking hectic week as per usual. God forbid I I can just focus right having to deal with repairs in the house or repairs and other stuff that I ordered like a fucking stupid shit like chairs. God forbid, God forbid anything just happens once right. Like I said, I'm still working on Sundays while 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 the masses get to watch this thing called football and and do this thing called a lazy Sunday. I I don't know what that is. Um, but most importantly, and then today, and then, like, uh, my brother-in-law got in a biking accident by Red Rocks, 
I broke a bunch of his ribs, sternum, clavicle, shoulder, shattered his shoulder. And then, you know, around the same time, day before, I, my, my concept of time is a bit lost. Apparently another coach of mine, different part, Mount Charleston, Kyle Canyon, um, got, well, we'll see. Uh, I don't want to say lost. I don't want to say anything, right? Uh, we don't know. But was last seen by Kyle Canyon at Mount Charleston. Coach Tim Lane. Kickboxing coach, if you hear me talk about counterbalancing, spinning back fists, proper spinning technique, counterbalancing off spinning attacks, and the sort. If you hear me talk about the importance of liver kicks and certain little um, tests and trick questions associated, any of that talk you've heard for years in this podcast, that that... That comes from Tim Lane. I'm not going to front to be like I'm friends with the guy or best friends or anything like that. No, he was just, fuck, what, 2011 at least? 2010 maybe, even as early. But, uh, yeah, back when I was competing and still coaching and just doing a lot of charity stuff. And uh, Anyways, I don't want to depress you guys, but, yeah, so... I retweeted it if any of you guys follow my socials at Danton and my uh, information. Most relevant info, at least, there. But yeah, needless to say, it has been a weird day. And I'm, I fucking hate fortunes. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not like a superstitious person, much less some like weird fucking American-based fake Chinese thing like fortune cookies, but... Like, I will, you know, crack them open, and before I eat the cookie, I'll read it. If I don't like the fortune, I won't eat the cookie, and if I do, I will eat it. I don't know where that's from. That's just my own weird fucking thing. Um, and I think one of my uncles or someone said, like, hold on to the fortune and see if, you know, it comes true, and you can pull it out of your wallet. <laughs> there it is. I was like, eh. There's been a couple in my life that, that, that um, I've held on to, and I've, I've, I've got one here. Just because I had this one, like, uh, the night before last night or something like that, and it says, your perseverance will come in handy tomorrow. I was like, wow. And I am not going to grab a victim. Uh, my shout-outs are with uh, poor Tim's wife and, and um, my poor brother-in-law is thriving in pain in the hospital right now. And someone else I'm trying to hear back from, waiting to hear back from, fucking with the way today. I'm just hoping that they're fucking okay as well. And, um, yeah. So, there's my dish. Um, I'm going to try to just push through this. I'm probably going to skip all the pleasantries, try to just make this podcast as fast as possible, because despite the craziness, despite of my life of this air quote sport, I still do the work, so I still have opinions and things. A lot more plays than I, I usually do, too, so might as well give those to you. Yeah, yeah, all right, so let's just get through this. Um... I'll give the shouts as we go. We'll do UFC 200 recap. Uh, Sean Strickland defeated headline. Uh, Sean Strickland defeated uh, Jack Hermanson. Um, unanimous decision. When it's predicted, I guess, as far as me picking Strickland by decision, um, I know there's a controversial scorecard, and everyone keeps making a big deal of it one way or the other, and I don't have an opinion on it because I, I honestly 
wasn't even that, you know, the right person still won that fight for whatever that's worth, even though discussion is, is totally fine, mind you. I'm just saying the right person did win the fight. Um, my issue was obviously with the co-main, and I, I hate that. I wish, why can't these judging fights that are just so perfect for talking points, why do they have to be fights that I bet? Because I inherently have that bias and feel icky talking about it and can only go so far because of said bias and because I, God forbid, try to be open, honest, and fair with that. So I won't say much about Hermanson Strickland fight. Um, I I checked out. I, I wasn't watching. I was just I'm so tired by the end of the week, folks, and I didn't have any bets in it, and it wasn't the most exciting fight. So for me, and uh, at that time where my head was at, so I checked out. Um, Nick Ma Nick Maximoff defeated Punahele Soriano uh, via split decision. Um, I think it was Ron McCarthy's scorecard. I agree with. I think he had the right scorecard. Um. And the problem was, I mean, first off, uh, you know, it, it was very it seemed like very like 2007 judging. Shout out to to to, to Feno, uh, from the fight site. That was perfect uh, tweet. And even shout out to Scott Fontana. Um, I didn't hear uh, uh, Sean's take yet, but also I wanted to shout out though Sean's podcast, uh, the Severe MMA podcast, uh, and as well as Scott Fontana with Dan Urban. Uh, at Couchside Judges, uh, just two MMA podcasts, like I tweeted earlier in the week, who talk about scores. And I know Scott and Dan um, both agreed it should have been 29-28 Puna. Basically, again, you know, uh, sometimes you get these bounces, sometimes you don't. And I was already in a winning night, and I was biased, so I, I certainly wasn't um, going to make a big deal about it, right? And cry a robbery or anything like that, and... I hate that word anyways, and don't use it, and I'm not going to use it here. So uh, so don't worry about that. But I still do feel it's very fair to bring up that, you know, where does this lie, right? Is this, and, and you know, I, most people out there are with their biases, right? Like like we saw with Nate Diaz, you could like a certain fighter, but if it's your boy or you place a bet on him or whatever the thing that constitutes bias, that bias is there. Well, case in point, you know, who, who would have thought of the day we saw? Like, that doesn't exist, you know? Here's your Diaz impression. But, um, but yeah, like, um, and you'll notice, and we all are guilty of it. I've, I've been guilty of it to a degree, too, for sure. So, it's no shade. I'm, I've been just as guilty as in the past, but... I do try to stay consistent with it now, especially as I, you know, with my job and being public, uh, and even more so with all those things incorporated, trying to get more into scoring. I do try to stay consistent because, although I do agree, um, and I definitely still need to be. I was joking about, oh, of course, now I, you know, the podcast. I say, well, let's go easy on the judges, and then they, they do my boy dirty. Um, they turn in a couple uh, uh, sketched cards of the extreme couture fighters. Um, you know, and, and again, it was already a winning night, but collectively, it probably would have been an extra thousand dollars if, uh, you know, which is a lot for me because your boy doesn't bet a lot. So that, that's a lot, especially for a one night uh, clearance on top of a winning night that was already good. Um, but like, that's kind of how, how it was, uh, you know, it would have been collectively f uh, through the houses um, that I play. Um, so there's that, that bias stated, and with that bias, that's why I, I couldn't, you know, be that mad at the bounce, right? Um, but again, you know, 
I asked people who were like, you know, cashing bets is like good for you and this and that, but it's just like nobody got back to my tweet when I said, What for those of you giving Maximoff round two, forget the thirty twenty seven, which was stupid. But even round two, which was closer, sure. But because Maximoff barely threw any strikes, much less meaningful ones, didn't go uh go for submissions. It was one of those weird rounds too where the fighter, the losing fighter, or the fighter that should have been the losing fighter in this case, they have their strongest round in the same round where the other fighter had their strongest round, and arguably that round had the clearest winner. And when you have that, it you automatically, as it should, mathematically, handicap your argument for the other rounds. <laughs> you know, um, don't get me wrong, if, if a fighter's best round is around where the other fighter had their best round and, and and so that you know the the latter so if fighter A had their best round where fighter B also had their best round and the round totality was the clear of all three rounds where fighter B won that still doesn't mean fighter A can't win even though he he lost decisively the round he had more success in because theoretically there could be two other very close rounds that are edged his way Fighter A, if a judge is just looking a certain way, right? Uh, but that—that's not what happened in this fight. We have the most clearest. We, we we have the the start of it, which is true. Maximoff has a actually has a back take and an RNC, which should score. Not enough for the uh, concussive damage that caused blood, um, and the the the, the lost striking exchanges prior uh, and grounded pound side elbows. But it scores nonetheless. But it's weird, and we'll get to, we might talk about, uh, we'll get to Jan and Izzy. But rewatching those again, those were not 10-8s live. Those were not 10-8s in rewatch. And even though, um, credit to Sean Sheehan for this, I don't know how much inside info it was, but he was one of the first and only people I've seen really talk about it. But uh, Dana White uh, kind of flexed his muscle, apparently, after that Jan-Izzy fight. Um, you know, I'm sure he's probably also mad that Izzy lost. But, um, you know, the, those 10-8 scorecards. And we saw f- judges kind of retract their 10-8. And it was at a time where I still argue, and again, um, I was doing diligence at the time, but I've done even more due diligence since with uh, criteria uh, and diving into that world. And, and these opinions, or at least arguments and thoughts, I believe are still valid. I'm not saying they need to be your opinions. I'm not saying they need to be... Law-changing opinions? No, none, none of the sort. Who the fuck am I? I'm just saying, I'm just bringing up thoughts that I believe are valid, and I actually you know, have proofs and fights that I can cite. Um, and around the same time, you have the, of course, you know, take a shot. Dan's going to mention Caitlin Vieira versus Yana Kunitskaya. And even though I have less of a problem with that being scored for the superficial damage of the three of five elbows and I think 4.5 significant shots or whatever it was, um, to close the round, um, because I, you know, there was not just a cut, but there's also a fat hematoma it caused on um, Caitlin Vieira's uh, face, and that that is uh, the hematoma is worth more than the cuts, in my opinion, because the hematoma verifies more impact. Where cuts can be, you know, cuts can be hard elbows, and cuts can be barely scrapes. You know what I'm saying? And some people cut more than others, and we'll talk about in this in the coming card as well. Um, but but yeah, uh, even though I'm I'm more sympathetic to that scorecard, the fact was 
unlike Moldovsky, right? And we saw, the, the, which is what I believe is closer to. So it sounds like I'm just siding with the side I bet. No, no, it's it's consistent with scoring criteria, how it should, and how it's written slash should be interpreted, and how it's not just written and should be interpreted, how it's actually been applied. And, you know, again, even though I'm more sympathetic to that scorecard for the female fight, at least Caitlin Vieira had multiple passes, half guard, mount, mount, back control, um, not hard strike. She she threw just as hard and just as many strikes as Nick Maximoff. Okay, first of all, so anybody, you know, arguing opposite or not arguing opposite, but anyone has a problem with my argument or just even bringing this up, it's not even a hard argument anymore, folks. Um, it, it it's pretty hypocritical. Because Caitlin Beer actually got fucking takedowns. She actually got passes. She actually had more submission attempts than just one. Um, you know, if I had to judge, Maximoff was probably like a little bit more meaningful and closer than any of Caitlin's three to four. Or, or, or four to five, I think, total throughout the fight. Um... But, again, she had four to five because she had multiple takedowns, multiple passes from multiple positions, including some of the most dominant grappling positions from back mount to rear mount. Have your pick. Um, so, again, it was just funny seeing people who have completely ignored it in their own talk and in their own arguments or uh, arguments they've had with others or me, myself, just people just completely ignoring all that and all of a sudden valuing whether it's because they bet Maximoff, whether it's because Maximoff's, you know, he's a Diaz army. And again, I like the Diaz brothers and all that stuff, but it's just love the music, hate the fans. And yeah, and um, and yeah, you just get some, you get some just annoying, you know, nut hugging going on, you know, with any of those crews, from Khabib, Connor, to even the Diaz fans, right? Even though those are more OGs, I'm definitely more sympathetic to. Probably have more, you know, things in common recreationally. But nevertheless, love the music, hate the fans. You guys know my model for the most. Except you guys, you guys are fucking cool. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and people were like, we're standing that and. And again, that's why I'm just like, I tweeted, I'm like, what did he actually, what damage did he do, much less attempt? There's two questions there. There's two layers. Feel free to answer one, if not both. None. No one could answer any of it. Um, so that was annoying. And you know what the most annoying part of this is? Is that, and I've said this before, this is me being consistent. I've said this about fights that I haven't um, bet, although... I also said this recently about a, f a fight that I bet, and I said it almost semi-jokingly to make myself feel less bad about betting against this fighter, because I, I feel bad, you know, part of me, I'm too nice of a guy, I do feel bad betting against these people, but something personal, right? But um, what I've, again, this staying consistent, folks, you don't have to agree with me, but at least I'm staying consistent, and I'm citing things to ground to, we've had this whole legion of fighters who are just inexperienced getting rushed to market. Um, and it detriments them and it detriments the bargaining power of, you know, uh, and staying power of, of the roster and all these other layers. Right. Um, and the worst part with Maximoff is he, he you know, I think shots Aaron Bronstetter. He fights a guy who's like a damn truck driver, you know, last minute up at heavyweight, two divisions up. 
And it's like he barely wrestles that guy in a boring, you know, win. And and it, to his credit, it's the most one of the most, you know, most clearest win. It's the most clearest wins of his last three. And then he fights Cody Brundage, like who is a last minute replacement. And the last minute replacement, you know, you could a argue that he won the fight, which I I still scored it for Maximoff, but he left the door open for someone to go hipster and score it for Cody Brundage. I did not. But he left the door open. And the one round that you really, you know, you could argue as far as damage and stuff is round three. And it's just like, how bad is that, you know, uh, where a short notice fighter is having round three on you? And then he goes and air quotes wins this fight in less of a convincing fashion. And the worst part was is that I felt less bad about betting against his future and other ones because this is one of those spots where you could argue a loss is actually good for the fighter. Especially this kind of loss where it would have been a split decision. Forget my my beat and my bet of it. Um, if one scorecard would have just gone the other way, it would have been a nice reward for Puna and extra money that he's going to need because he suffered a knee injury in the third round, right? And he too, you know, um, got pushed in pretty fast. Uh, he has slightly more and experience on, on paper. And when you dissect the experience it's much more meaningful experience than Maximoff's hence why I picked him right sure but you know he's really raw too in a lot of ways Soriano right um so it would have been so good it would have been so much better and instead not only does Maximoff get this ridiculous push because of the Nick Diaz thing right um, you know, we, we saw the other guy who got like came out of the woodworks after like not fighting for five years and got starched or whatever, right? Uh, like, uh, you know, a, a few months back on a card, just because he was a Diaz brother name, and, and just because of that, he gets pushed to a co-main event slot, and he beats a guy with hype on him, another contender series hype guy, you know, more deserved but hype nonetheless, right? With Puna, even though he was coming off a loss, um, and. Uh, and he comes through, and that's the worst. And that's the no- most annoying part is everybody's like cheering Maximoff, and then Maximoff's—I don't know if he's leaning into it on purpose or he's just kind of like an idiot. But like he's like, I'm sorry, he's just like he, he's really just playing. He was just saying that like uh, he's like shitting on, and which is fine. Like they're all have their issues, but he's all like put, putting his nose up in the air to to, to uh, not going on tough because he was supposed to go on tough. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna just you know whatever. And um, and don't get me wrong, like tough is a dumb way to go on. Like you're probably splitting hairs. You're yeah, you you are probably better doing it through contender series, gun to the head, right? I'm not standing for you know me. I would never stand for tough. I don't even watch the damn thing. But what I did issue with you is just what he said was his math is that because the UFC put me in a co-main event, it proved that I'm a I better talk like Nate because that's what he does, right? Um. It proves that I was right, and I validated my choice, that I belong here. It's like, motherfucker, the UFC stopped giving a shit about co-main events on fight nights back in 2019. Let's not pretend pandemic-era co-main events mean a fuck. You guys were in it, for Christ's sake, okay? And I like Puna, I'm just saying, they put fucking Contender Series people there. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? It's not tenured people, uh, like before. Um... So yeah, and he, you know, and he's out there doing the rounds, and so you know what, it's gonna be good because all that means is we're gonna get a nice fade plant, we're gonna get a, a nice number on Maximoff. Um, between the Diaz thing, between his name sounding Russian, to the fact that he wrestles, to the hype, 
Uh, and he's on, on the list of uh, other fighters I can't think of right now, but uh, I know we put one on there in the last couple months or so. We're going to make our money back for sure. We're going to make our money back uh, on him later. Um, Chef got racked. Sorry, I went, well, I went a bit on there, but it really tied to a lot of scoring stuff. Very relevant. Again, I wish I didn't bet on these fights because I legitimately would have been that passionate and brought up all those points regardless of a bet. I swear. Shavkat Rachmanov defeated Carlston Harris. I, again, I told you. told you guys we're not going to see these numbers soon. They were pricing it like Carlston Harris was also a prospect, and I broke down his game. He was not. Um, and this was going to be inside the distance. That hits for the plus money. And Shavkat closed the three-leg, which we'll get to. Brandon Allen defeated Sam Alvey. Um, yeah, I picked Allen, but uh, I just stayed away. It felt like a trap fight. Um, good for Allen. Uh, Brian Battle defeated uh, Treshawn Gore. Um, good on Gore in the second round. He had a nice left hook there to the eye. Uh, but uh, essentially, you know, kind of like I wrote my breakdown there. Um, Shouts to those of you who share the uh, fight day. Uh, quick picks and prognostications at Junkie or, or my main event breakdowns. Really appreciate those. Um, Brian Battle, uh, yeah, they went pretty much how I said. And the next fight as well was, you know, not hard to predict that it was going to be a war, but Arosa doesn't win very many decisions. And uh, I said, you know, not many people thought it was probably going to go to decision. Um, but I did pick Arosa by decision. Can't bump my chest too hard. I didn't play. It was too volatile. Um, this one I did bump my chest a little bit because the analysis and play cash, the dog, uh, uh, I don't know if it's dog of the week or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the best dog that ends up on my, you know, my betting sheet. Um, John Castaneda defeated Miles Johns. And again, like the uh, analysis, I forgot to bring up the knees. Uh, I did write it in my notes and even took a picture uh, and showed it to someone else who also had great analysis on this. Shout out to at Liam uh, Picks Fights. My, my guy Liam there. Um, but yeah, the analysis on this one was um, spot on from the southpaw, the right hook. Uh, the knees, the pacing, and the finishing abilities of Castaneda. Uh, Hakeem Dawodu defeated Mike Trezano. Um, striking match, got a decision. Can't bump my chest too hard because I stayed away and didn't really have strong opinions other than that, but that's what happened. Um, shots the MMA analysis. Cheating Ninja Kwana defeated Mark Andre Berriou. Um I'm glad I stayed away, and what solidified me staying away was uh, was listening to the MMA Analysis podcast. Those guys were on Cheaty. I like Cheaty anyways. I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I mean, even Cheaty backers didn't see it going down that fast. Even Cheaty didn't see it going down that fast. So don't, you know, no one lie about that one. But, fuck, you can't deny. That was some nice uh, nice dog caching. So, grats to anybody on that. Grats to Cheaty. Don't mind being wrong there. Um. Alexis Davis defeated uh, Julija Storyalenko. Uh, Some armbar scares there for sure, but like I said in my breakdown, she survives those. She gets the decision that she did. Um, and the decision propped also cash. So that was nice when these bonuses, like I said, I try to load up these parlay legs. Alexis Davis was a parlay leg, and so was uh, Shavkat. Um, one by decision, one by inside the distance. And it's nice ways in case the parlay does fall apart. Uh, some of these props, depending on how much I put, um, if one hits, it covers the parlay, but if two, it usually more than covers the parlay, which is nice. Um, the other, th the third leg, <laughs> the jail man, <laughs> speaking of third leg, the jail man, jail, jail to Almeida showing, 
showing uh, shower room recreation on the floor there, just going to pound, jailman going to pound town. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, easy. On Danilo Marquez. Um, Jesus, poor made poor Danilo look like a white belt. I like Danilo. There's no disrespect. Uh, but I told you guys, the jailman's not a hard guy to, to pick when we're looking for parlay pieces. Didn't get the round two without Danilo. Again, Danilo's an accomplished black belt himself, so I thought he would... He would last to round two where, you know, then his gas tank would allow his technique to fall fall to the strength. But, you know, the jail man don't mess around. He just, you know, he, he's not using any lube. He's just going right He's just going right in. Jesus, yeah, all right, pretty direct. Next fight, Philip Rowe. Yeah, Phil Rowe. Late ad there, defeated Jason Witt. Um, uh, I picked Rowe and... Said it was either going to be wit wrestling, which he did try to do, or or Roe getting a finish. So I wasn't wrong, but I will admit I wasn't that confident. Um, it wasn't until seeing uh, the weigh-in. Um, usually I, I try not to jump too much on these. I barely even catch weigh-ins these days, to be honest. But I did this one, and wit wit's eyes looked really sunken. It looked like a really bad weight cut, like when I used to try to pick out bad weight cuts in the amateur days over a decade ago. I would always say, like, the worst weight cuts is when they have a soft belly and a sucked-in face. That's, like, the worst combination ever. And um, Witt had that. So I played row one house uh, and, uh, like, minus 135 and the other inside the distance, plus 110. Uh, obviously, both those hit in their respective houses. Glad I stayed away from this one because uh, I got the pick wrong. Malcolm Gordon defeated Dennis Bondar. Nasty. Nasty elbow dislocation. You uh, you don't want to see that. Uh, all right, one more shout, which we'll get to in the breakdown. So let's see where we ended on that. 29.51. All right, we'll see how fast we can get through the rest of this. UFC 271, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker 2. Main event breakdown up now at MMAJunkie.com. Uh, Adesanya minus 290, uh, Robert the Reaper, Rob Sputin, Bobby Knuckles Whitaker plus 230. This is a tough one, man. Um, I, I pretty much already conceded that I was going to be picking against Robert Whitaker for the first time since doing this deal, since 2015. Um, but the closer I got to it, um, I just had a hard time pulling the trigger on it. And part of was like, is it bias and this and that, or... But yes, it is biased because I, I like clearly I like Robert's style. Uh, there's no connection to him I have, but I, I, I like his style. Um, I didn't bet him uh, while breaking down the fight. I haven't bet him as of now, and 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 may not even. I'll let you know the caveats there for if I do. By the way, in, in a sec. But so so it's not that at play either, which is another dangerous thing with you know. Um, you know, um, I, I again, I'm guilty. I'm not throwing shade. Uh, I've been, I'm guilty of this myself, especially back in the day. More so, I, I've been trying to be better about it in more recent years. But um, when you get really passionate, and you have a bet. You get like passionate about your breakdown. I still get obviously really passionate about a lot of shit, right? Uh, even borderline angry, you could say, and that, that, for better or worse, justified or not. Uh, but I'm talking about. As far as like you know, not you know doing one side and not the other, you know, not doing the other side justice, and that can be a, a thing that happens in the space a lot, especially 
and again, not throwing shade, uh, I'm the worst at beating the line and getting value or the best line. I'm the fucking worst. I'm not trying to front that game. I don't want it. So it doesn't come out of a place of jealousy or envy or, or hatred or shade. But there are a lot of people that want to beat the line, and that's that's their thing. And when you when you look for that, um, A, it can be dangerous because you might, you know, you rush your research, you rush your takes to market. But even if you're organized, which I would love to someday join y'all, I'm just trying to get organized for the fucking week instead of always being perpetually behind. But even if you're one of those organized people, it can still be dangerous because even if you're organized and you get your research um, and you, you lay your bet and you're able to keep your filter clean or whatever, a lot of times what you know do is people go online, whether they post their bets or not, they, they'll talk about it, they'll be in someone else's replies. If they don't post it, and a lot of the conversation or, you know, uh, it will always kind of just be like what your bias is, who your play is. And, of course, that's the side you're going to argue. And then, you know, someone else argues another side. And then the next thing you know, even if you're not someone who lets it get to you or gets passionate, you're not even angry or anything. You just get passionate about it. And you start defending your side. And you start, you know, like almost like, even if you don't double your money down, you're almost doubling your opinion down. You're almost, you're, you're almost doubling mental money and mental calories in the form of money down, right? And by the time fight night comes, it's just like, oh, my God, all this, just so you could be right, all this pressure. And I, I feel it alone just with what I do. So that's why I try to do this. I don't, like, fuck, I don't need extra pressure. I don't need any of that bullshit pressure, much less, right? And that could be dangerous because you get stuck defending your play rather than actually having a realistic viewpoint, you know. And you play this game long enough, you know that there's no such thing as a sure thing. There's no such thing as locks, etc., and so forth. That's why I don't use. That's more words. Locks, robberies, more words. I don't use right because this game is just that crazy. You know, crazy things happen and crazy things can be justified. More than we'd like to give credit for. And again, this is myself included here, folks. Um, so sorry that little tangent. But yeah, uh, biases, right? So none of those here, but that, I did think that was an important part about biases. Um, I did end up picking picking Robert Whitaker. It's, it's not a confident pick. I know the article, kind of like last week's, is titled like, you know, and I hate when this happens. Why this person will beat that one? Because I feel like, and it, it, for, for those who don't know, uh, it's nothing that I'm throwing shade it, it, my my place of work. It's it's everyone's place of work in this business. Um, the writers do not write the titles, folks, for the articles, and which is unfortunate because those articles, uh, the headings, often piss people off, and the writer of that article gets shit for it, and they had nothing to do with that heading, and the headings are usually written like that because, you know, and, and again, you see, in in you know. In my editor's defense, what are they going to put? Are they going to put reluctant pick as nerd goes overly deep into breakdown? Please read. Like, that's not going to get anybody, you know, but that's that's pretty true. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I'm not here to argue that, uh, I, you know, one way or the other, by the way. I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, play devil's advocate out there. But it is kind of ironic, though, how, like, it's always on the fights where I have, like, a really reluctant pick I'm not sure of. And you guys are know that I don't play the fence. Like, I'll pick a 200 dog confident, and then I'll pick a minus 200 favorite like last week. Not that confident. Like, that's how I am. I'm, 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 I'm honest with you guys. And even though it may look like I'm leaning into old biases with Bobby Knuckles, I have some really good analysis that I promise I'm going to get to on this fight. And I have some surprising picks down the card for those of you who know me and think you can guess what I'm going to be on. So, 
in defense. You're going to be surprised on, on some of this, some of this card here. Um, but but yeah, uh, sorry, I know I'm talking in fucking circles. But this matchup, let's just talk about the fucking matchup. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not confident in the pick. And basically, and everyone's saying patience and all these things, and that's all true. Um, I don't know what uh, I, I've really just filtered more and more to almost just nothing. I'm really even gonna be filtering more, even more so. Just I don't know, like going extreme, just because I'm so busy and distracted, and I just don't need anybody's opinions because that's what I hate. By the way, about being late is another note I have here. Mondays on Twitter, everyone's theories and seed planting, etc. That's another thing. What I hate, like ideally, I would love to have all my stuff written and recorded by by Sunday or Monday morning because come Monday, even sooner. And I, by the way, again, this isn't throwing shade because most of the people that are guilty of this are the people that I actually like love the most and respect the most. So believe me, it's not shade. But this is just this is just something that happens, and this is my own just pet peeves because I like to keep my filter clean and fuck every fucking Monday everyone every motherfuckers from gamblers hipsters hipster analysts popular analysts everyone in the like fucking cast their theory whether it's a short tweet or some long multi-paragraph breakdowns that cover like multiple things and Though most people, obviously, again, I respect these people, so they're, you know, being genuine with it. You know, there are there are some where it's like, I feel like, you know, something's like, and I try to do this with my writing, even though I try to present, I try to present both sides without going the route of, you know, um, machine gun spraying all these probabilities, and then when one of them happens to say, I called it, and it's like, well, you kind of machine gunned a bunch, and some fights are like that, and I, I do that myself sometimes, um... Perhaps this fight could be like that, which is why I, I'm not betting it. And I'm not, you know, telling you to go run out and bet it. You can do what you want with your money. Um, but, uh, sorry, my head's all fucked. I haven't slept. But, um, but yeah, this one, this one's a volatile one that, that I think is going to be, it's going to be all over the place. And, um, uh, basically, uh, I think. You know, oh yeah, oh yeah, the the everyone's fucking theories and seed planting. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, and if, if 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 you know, if I or or someone does that every week, that's kind of like, oh okay, it's kind of hard to take the victory laps. That and it's another reason why I don't I I try not to do the former or the latter, especially you know, latter being victory lapping because it's just like, you know, but uh. Anyways, it's just yeah, I hate that on fucking Mondays. I'm trying because I'm trying to look for legit news. Is there fight cancellations? Like that's the main thing that I look for. And then it's just I, I can't help but like you know what is this person talking? And then I'm just distracted or this or, and then I have to scroll fast. Oh, there's analysis. I can't read that because that's gonna be in my head. And God, I fucking hate it. God, I fucking hate Mondays and everybody's seed planning their fucking analysis. You know, so they could be first. Like, oh, well, I said it back on Monday, and didn't you hear me? Well, I, I tweeted this. It's like, well, y'all tweet a lot of things, motherfuckers. <laughs> I wish I had that time. Um, I just save all my shit for my articles that no one reads and the podcast that no one listens to, because I'm smart like that, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, anyways... Dan, you gonna break down this fight? Yeah, basically, it's gonna come down to the person who can make the other person come forward. Um, patience is like the hot word, 
and I'm seeing on the timeline, and that's true. Uh, basically, if you look at it, and we'll talk about this with another fighter I like down the card, but, you know, many, not just myself, and many have surmised that Whitaker style, and I talk about this in my breakdown, I've talked about it in prior ones too, but many, aside from me, has surmised that long opponents who can counter competently with hooks, in my opinion, all those qualifiers got to be in there, uh, could be, in fact, may in fact be, <laughs> Robert Whitaker's style as a kryptonite, in which case um, it's hard. It's another thing I'm trying to make a point in my breakdown. It's hard to, and maybe this is not a fair example, but what Figueredo Moreno reminded us the series recently is that it's really hard for fights no matter when they happen. How far away from each other they happen, it's really hard for the same place to take place twice. That being said, if Izzy is in fact his stylist of kryptonite, then yeah, he should win and and probably win sometime inside the distance if Whitaker gives him enough to work with. But that was the key, is giving him enough to work with, because Whitaker may be not as good coming forward and may quietly be better off the back foot, right? But I would argue, at least especially in MMA, uh, because there are different differences to the way Izzy fights, all, kick, all high-level kickboxers are a little bit different. They bring in more and more weapons. We've seen that with Izzy since the Whitaker fight. He's using more check hooks, and to do those, you have to sit down more, and in general, he is sitting down more because he's, his, his takedown defense um, against the Cajun in the open has gotten is only improved. It was already underrated, which I did argue since the jump. <laughs> Sorry, bless me. Even other times I picked against Izzy, which is very, very few. Um, I wasn't like, you know, shitting on him in the way that Izzy really seems like he self-imposes on himself at this point. And you know, everybody does talk about the wrestling and probably before this fight, but he's always like, oh, wrestling, oh, I'm too skinny, bro. Um, I never said any of those things when I, when I you know, um, I, I, I always feel like I've offered fair, fair analysis. But when you look at his fights, too, as far as, you know, kickboxing, um, you know, he adds things. You want to get was a little bit different. Um, she was pretty much just boxing for the most part. And then you see her start incorporating her kicks in slowly as she gets comfortable. Um, a lot of high-level strikers go through their own versions of this when they go to, and, and then they seriously commit to MMA. And we have a sample size to look at. You will see these similar adjustments in their own ways. And because the lion's share of Izzy's opponents, their intentions, intentions either are either to take him down or at the very least get on the inside in MMA. Um, it makes him counter more, right? Inherently, that's going to make him counter more. Um, as well as the not wanting to get taken down, throw yourself out of position, and, and why he's careful about these things. Um, shifting angles, retreats to get out of dodge, and all these all these sorts. Why uh, is why he prioritized those since Jump Street uh, when he when he jumped in the UFC pool, right? Um, so Izzy too does better off the back foot. Uh, but if you look at their fights, it's funny. I think like Yoel, Yoel, Romero, Yoel, Yoel Romero, Jan Blockowicz, not for the reason most think, for Izzy. And then I know it's Izzy and Robert, uh, Izzy and Steven Thompson are the typical examples, which are true. Again, long strikers, even though 
Thompson doesn't use hooks a lot, and he didn't really in that fight. It was more like straight one-twos, but it, they were counters nonetheless, and it was a young Whitaker, yada, yada, yada. But I would also argue, and no, not even the Court McGee fight, which he arguably won, um, but uh, the Rafael Natal fight, you know, uh, fighters who kick the legs and just commit to countering and staying on the outside. Uh, I know Robert Whitaker broke his hand in the first round, but Robert Whitaker has broken a lot of things and still won, right? Um, and he still won that fight too, by the way. Um, it's almost like it's good if you break something. That means he's going to win the fight, right? But the point is, he actually had a, he had a tougher time in that fight than he thought. He had some frustration, ate a ton of leg kicks. Um, that's the fight that probably seed-planted Cannoneer and Cannoneer's camp to go after Robert Whitaker's legs, which was smart. So I suspect we'll see Izzy go for that too. The thing is, Izzy, he can check kicks and has before, but even in kickboxing, and even, granted, this is the leg kick, you know, uh, guru, uh, Joe, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, he's even noticed that in the kickboxing realm, much less with, with um, MMA, right? And the calf kicks and all that stuff there, which you got to add into the fact with MMA, uh, as that trend is pretty high there. Um, and the leg kicks are going to be something, too. And with Izzy, part of him picking against him, too, is just... There's a lot of there's a lot going on with them. A lot of the distractions, which are obvious, there's there's so many, but there's also a lot of projections for a guy who won the fight. You know, you'd worry about a guy taking it too easy, and I don't think so. I do believe Izzy about being prepared. I do believe him and having a bunch of plans and all these things. Um, but I feel like the distractions could give the same negative effect as if he were to, which I'm not saying he is. In fact, I don't think he is, but it could give the same effect of one not taking someone seriously. Um, it's not because you don't, it's because you just, again, the mental distraction, right? And then on top of that, especially the guy that is eager, and I know that's kind of what makes Izzy tick, like the guy couldn't even enjoy getting the belt wrapped around. He's still too busy talking about, what you mean I don't knock out power? Like, Izzy, just fucking chill for a second, dude. Like, enjoy it. Like, you know, like uh, Harvey Keitel to, to, to Seth when they're the titty twister. Look around, Seth. You've won. Enjoy it. You know, that's kind of how I feel a lot of times with Izzy. It's like, dude. Um, and uh, and I'm happy for him that he got all these things. But, and again, I'm not saying just because it's Izzy, but any time a fighter has these big events on fight week, it's always a red flag for me. Um, because it's, you know, it's energy. It's an emotional dump. It's a distraction. It's all these things in a really crucial week. And what's the example I always point to? A guy who at this time was not thought to be out of his prime, although me and some others were, were cashing plus 220s opposite of him. But a guy named Jacare Souza got a new deal on fight week in Oklahoma City when he was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker. That's right. And I remember him dancing in the hotel. You probably can go back to the podcast and listen to me talk about it. And he's dancing with his new contract, you know? <laughs> I don't know what he got paid, but nowhere near what he's got, right? And uh, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's like victory dance stuff. That's not good. You know, you, you shouldn't, you know, it's just like even after you weigh in, you don't want to eat the good food even if you can get away with it. One, you don't know how it's going to text you. Two, you really just, you want to stay in war mode, you know. You don't want any kind of pleasantries or delights, at least you know, I'm not projecting. This is just what I've heard from most fighters and I've kind of, I, I, how I would feel myself uh, pre-competitions for the competitions that I've done whatever the fuck that's worth, but which is not much, but still, I'm just saying. Um, 
and yeah, you know, uh, all these things. And the projection part is like, he's like posting on his Twitter like, oh, uh, you think this is the only kick counter? Wait till you see. I got a bunch of other kick counters. And I'm just like, who? Sir, this is a Wendy's. Like, you know? And then like he he posts one, the only grappling thing I see of him is like he posts one picture of him like doing a guillotine going, I got tricks for you. It's just like, it just feels like that real elementary fucking, you know, like the MMA version of like, you know, they say, you know, the guy in the street fight who gets louder before the street fight is more scared. Um, that's what it felt like. Like, like, you know, like whoever shoots a takedown's a bitch. It's like, hmm, I wonder why they're saying that. You know, like, it's stuff you could see right through. And I was, and it's just weird because Izzy's real savvy, he's internet savvy, he's, like, the troll of MMA. And I'm just like, that's real, like, projection psych 101 stuff. Like, and again, I'm not trying to, nor should you or anyone, over-speculate on these things, much less bet on these things. Uh, but I can't help but but, but flag, uh, get flagged out from those. I'm like, hmm. Um... So leg kicks are going to be important for both. So in my opinion, um, this means Robert Whitaker's jab or the lack of the jab or the lack of the effectiveness of the jab if Izzy can get a beat on it and counter and punish him, especially earlier and often, right? But if you actually go back and watch their first fight, yes, Robert was fighting over-aggressive, which is part of the reason. Um, I don't think it's unfair. To the narrative of uh, contributed narrative, of why I'm picking him is he has the more room to adjust. Um, you know, from the length of the fight to what we saw, to what we saw, and the character of how we saw it, over aggressive, all those things people are describing. Yes, but I would argue, especially in like the first within the first round, um, the first th- uh, three minutes or so, uh, maybe even four. Whitaker's doing well in in in, in spurts. Uh, particularly, um, you know, and again, it's one of my favorite parts. I put it in my breakdown. Izzy posted it, uh, the counter to the oblique kick. But R- Rob was really sitting and swinging into tie style leg kicks more than he did before. Um, and I didn't notice that. Um, and that seemed obvious, like it was part of the plan. And they obviously they connect really well off the jab. And his jab, despite being at a significant reach disadvantage on paper, he was jabbing out of Sonya well. And again, we shouldn't be surprised if a guy that's even shorter than Rob, who's, you know, a welterweight in Kelvin Gastelum, was able to jab and, and bust up Adesanya's eye, uh, left eye with his right jab. Well, then Whitaker's jab landing really, maybe, maybe not that much of a surprise then, right? Again, Adesanya's great, but he's not, he's not beyond being jabbed, um, despite his head being hard to hit. Uh, so... When I go looked and when I went to look at Rob's fights, um, he he was using uh, the lead hand more, jabs more, speed. So these are things that he admittedly was working on. Also going a bit more to the body, play more conservative on the outside. Um, tools he's gonna need, and yes, he was again one of the main things being talked about. Yes, he was shooting takedowns more, and I believe those will be important and necessary to a successful Whitaker game plan, but I don't feel like it's the crux as people are making it out to be. I don't think Whitaker is some game over Maya game when he gets Izzy down there. And again, I've been one of the, regardless of pick, one of the more champions of Izzy's takedown defense. Um, 
but that being said, I, I do feel like the countering is going to be a bigger thing because not only uh, can just does Rob need to jab to set up his leg kicks and to set up his takedowns, but I believe Rob both jabs and sets up both those things better when he's playing on the outside. Obviously, you can prod with leg kicks and frustrate people to come in and then change your level underneath. That'll also be good because open shots in the uh, level changing in the shots in the open uh, are probably what's going to be most successful in Adesanya, who really has gained a feel for his frame. He has shown really good single leg defense, uh, good defense against the cage. So again, um, playing the outside, making Adesanya come to him, jabbing and leg kicking, um, could open things up and allow him to uh, edge out some rounds possibly. Again, I pointed out the Rob fights, but for Izzy, not just Yoel Romero um, that made an awkward fight, but the guy who beat him, Blakovich. You know, everyone pretends it was the wrestling. It was only the end, of, the end of the rounds, and only the end of the last two rounds where he got wrestling off, or meaningful wrestling. Um, and strikes don't tell the story of the, of the fight, and you shouldn't score off him. But if you look, Jan Blakovich outstruck him every round on, on paper, I believe, maybe except one. That was close, but uh, which he might have still gotten scored for you on, if I remember. But it was because he was hitting quiet counters, right? He was hitting quiet counters. He was making Izzy, for the most part, come to him. When Izzy rocked him, it was when what? It was when Jan came to Izzy, right? That's when Izzy had his success. So again, fighters that make Izzy or Rob come to them, those have been their toughest fights, win or lose. So that's the game we're probably going to play, and for that reason, it's probably going to go over and go to decision. I don't want to lay the juice for it, especially when both guys um, have the ability to end it at any time. That makes totals very tricky and, and non-playable for me. Um, right now, Rob's plus 230. If he gets up to plus 250, which I, I assume you know he's going to get, uh, is he's going to get bet more closer to fight time? If the caveats are... Rob's got to be plus 250, or Rob by decision has to be uh, close to plus 500. Right now it's plus 450. I want plus 500 before I sprinkle on either of those money lines or sprinkling a little bit on the on the decision prop. And I would prefer to be up so where I, it doesn't hurt if I win or lose the money so I can still end on a positive night. And all my plays are before the main uh, and possibly co-main event too. There could be a caveat there. And I'll try to go through this a lot faster because I know I spent a lot of time on... On that fight, but yeah, that's that's essentially uh, the feels um, I'm getting here, and it would be better for the sport. It it would uh, if Izzy won, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I like I like Rob here, and um, yeah, that's that. Uh, next fight: Derek Lewis minus one seventy, tied to Ivasa plus one fifty. Oh, maybe it's going back down. Well, no, no, it's plus one. Well, DraftKings like plus minus two hundred at some places, plus one sixty-five. Um, I expect this to go higher too. Um, yeah, man. I, I, Derek Lewis is another guy. I feel like I hate picking against because then I, I'm wrong, and you, you know, he at least makes comedy about it, so I don't feel bad about it. Whereas like Izzy, like taking names, and I'm sure I'm on fucking one of his hit lists somewhere uh, for daring to pick against him. But um, Derek Lewis is another guy who I genuinely love. I hate picking against him, man. Uh, even last fight, I was like, I don't agree with the line. I just, you know, Derek Lewis has traditionally not done well against strikers. And even though he iced 
Dawkins. Dawkins, obviously, it was too much too soon. And Derek Lewis, like, he just showed a competent pressure game and came forward. And, like, it sounds really basic, but Derek Lewis, like, he'll come forward in blitzes and shit, but he... he he doesn't fight measured like that, and it was it was awesome. He showed a, actually showed a little bit of glimpses of it in the Latifi and Ivanov fight, and then it just kind of went out the window once he went back up in competition or higher levels of competition. Uh, but maybe it's the lower levels of competition where this comes out. Maybe that could come out here for sure, right? Um, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll you know I'll count on it. Even though Derek Lewis, the cut marks on his back, he was moving really well. Like he had a, a he had like a a sprawl. On a hair trigger that he kind of half committed to until he realized Dawkins wasn't really shooting or in a position to finish a shot, and then he comes up to like a tie clinch, starts launching knees like he's a like a welterweight or a lightweight. Um, so yeah, no issue with Derek Lewis being favored here. And shouts Aaron Bronstetter on the TSN MMA show talking about the Houston pressure factor. He's not going to have that because it wasn't so much the Houston home factor, although I'm sure that doesn't help and won't help here to a certain degree. But it wasn't mainly that. It was mainly it was the same day he was released out of prison was the same day he was fighting for a world title. That was like a mind fuck for him. And I, I um, Aaron's the only person I heard say that, and he confirmed it with uh, Derek Lewis on a recent interview. That all being said, even though I was the guy, while well, everybody was excited about Ty, everyone still is, but when everyone was hyped about Ty Dewey Vasa Shuey's before he lost... Um, lost in the UFC, by the way. He lost in other things if you dig deep enough, which I did. Um, if you guys remember, whether I picked him or I didn't, I picked Orlovsky and was like laughed out of the room for it. And I know he still beat Orlovsky, but you could argue Orlovsky won that, right? Um, and did much better than people thought. You know, this is before the, this is the start of the most recent Orlovsky decision run. So it, that was kind of out of out, out of left field, even though he lost to even make it that far. Um, but you know, and then sure enough, I was I was right about three fights in a row. Right, he kind of got exposed. People saw what I saw. That being said, said he takes a year off, trains all around the world. Um, briefed in an AKA, but more importantly, he's been training. Um, you know, Tiger. I think he did some Tiger Muay Thai, and then the last half of the year he's been in Dubai since his last fight. Partying, sure, on the piss a bit, but also um, also working out and with a good training partner who, again, shout out to TSN MMA show and Bazooka Joe Valtellini, a guy he's familiar with. Sounds like he's a member of the uh, this guy named, uh, a kickboxer named Errol Zimmerman, uh, which Aaron, you know, thought was, and I thought it was Jewish. He sounds like he's a member of the Fantasy Jewish Fight League, Zimmerman. Uh <laughs> um, but apparently he's like a really good, Good, good person to have for uh, what he's up against with Derek Lewis, uh, Derek Lewis and those weapons, and that's the person he's been cooped up with as a main training partner, training his striking. And Ty's striking has gotten a lot better. I always have the habit to go pick against him, but I think a couple fights ago, um, well, no, even to start it, uh, I know Struve, Hardy. I didn't play him, uh, but I ended up picking him uh, against Sakai. Is because now I'm turning I'm I'm turning coat on my opinion and I've been proven right so far. He's showing much better striking uh, leg kicks, which are going to come in handy with Lewis. We saw that it was a big thing against God. It's probably one of the best things you can do against Lewis. You're going to force out a blitz and he's going to try to level change and try to rush you for a takedown off it. But 
so long as you're prepared and don't get bum rushed and taken over by one of those, um, you're going to debilitate him over the stretch. Um, and more importantly, tied to Ivasa, he's always had heavy hooks and, and ridiculously stupid power. But uh, he has something at heavyweight that's just ridiculous. That's something few Lewis opponents have really had. Um, and that's a that's a good that that's a check hook. And we saw that he doesn't have to even land that bad boy clean to knock someone out. Um, uh, you know, granted, Greg Hardy is uh, not as hardy as he as he fronts, but still, you know, it's a big man right there, man. And uh, yeah, so I'm picking a guy who I've I've long doubted, but granted, he has made me money money lately. And Derek Lewis played me plenty of money before. Again, people think I'm hating on Derek. I was picking Derek Lewis when even Derek Lewis fans were picking against Derek Lewis uh, to win by knockout uh, against Curtis Blades at whatever plus what the fuck ever. Um, so again, this is nothing. I already hear my man. I already hear my man Ramundo. What do you got against the brothers? <laughs> it's okay, Ramundo. I'm picking a brother in the next fight. That's a trick question. That's a trick statement. <laughs> no, no. I'm Ramundo's uh, old school MMA junkie radio listener. He always gives me shit if uh. You know, if, uh, <laughs> if my color's out of my color is out of balance, oh man! You, you Ramundo, if you're listening, you would have you would have loved the you you would have loved uh, uh, my old buddy Mike's uh, fucking DraftKings cards when it used to be legal over here. Like a bunch of buddies would would pull in teams, and and we had this one friend Mike who. Every DraftKings team, he let's just say he had the darkest team every time. It was always it was always all black dudes. We're like, who's Mike gonna pick this time, guy? And Mike was a white guy, by the way, um, Ramundo. But I'm just saying, you you know, so I, it, it it just it's funny. So I got I got to shout my guy Ramundo because I know he's gonna give me shit uh, already. Relax, Ramundo. I got I'm 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 passenger fifty seven. Maybe not passenger fifty seven. Parlay in it. But uh, I'll be betting on black uh, in a little bit here. So hold on, hold on. Um, and it ain't the next fight either, believe it or not. I know. I'm gonna, you guys are going to be surprised in this one. Um, but, yeah, I'm actually going to go tied to Ivasa. And I think round two is the round. I think it's round one or round two for tied to Ivasa. If you're looking to bet Lewis, folks, um, whatever you do, sprinkle a little bit on the over because you're getting plus money. On one and over one and a half, and I think Lewis, uh, he's not a first round finisher usually. That's another thing about the the Chris Dacus one. Um, he could be because these guys are going to swing hard, and that's why I think it's tie round one or round two. But if Lewis uh, survives that, gets it to the ground, um, able to hurt Ty and not run into a counter like Greg Hardy did, etc. I, I don't think he finishes it till round two or three. Um, that's where most of Lewis's finishes are. Houston. Big cage, so the exchanges won't be forced as fast like Dawkins in the small cage, right? Heavyweights in the small cage can be bananas. This is the big cage. Um, so I'm not telling you how to bet, but that's how I would attack the board. Two to three over for Lewis. Uh, if you like two Ivasa, just money line kick for coverage and maybe sprinkle one and two. Um, I don't know about laying the chalk or laying anything heavy in general because it's heavyweight and it's volatile. But uh, left hook tied to Ivasa. Um, let's go round one. I'm gonna say toward the end of round one, it's gonna be a shocker. Um, Jared Kennedy, one hundred and sixty, and Derek Bronson plus one hundred and forty. 
Um, man, I came in looking this to bet Brunson on the dog money, you know. Uh, I went back to read their last two fights, and I love it. I, 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 you know, I've had my share. That definitely, that's off the money, but there were some really breakdowns that were really on the money if I do see it myself, myself last year. And uh, both Cannoneers fight with Gastelum and Brunson even to the round um, and, me- and Method. Um, I called those exactly, so who do I pick here, right? I'm looking to lean Brunson. Um, at first, I was semi-surprised he was uh, not opened as the favorite. But the more I looked into it, I'm like, no, I get it. But I still think the value's on Brunson here, which it, it probably is a, a dogger pass if you ask me. Uh, it just feels like a volatile fight, so I'm, I'm honestly staying away. But the more I looked into it, I actually like Cannonier here. Um, Brunson's just still very, uh, still very hittable. And he's focused more on the wrestling, but because of that, despite training at Sanford MMA, it just still doesn't feel like he's prioritizing much at all on his striking defense. You know, except like putting his arms out like a zombie guard as he reaches for people and gets tagged up still, which is really bad. And with him announcing his retirement, red flag, red flag, red flag, as far as him getting a title shot, uh, focus, what are you doing? Then you got the domestic abuser shirt, which is fucking badass, and I'm, I'm down for that message. But I'm also kind of worried for Brunson's behalf. I'm like, uh, you know, like, are, are you gonna distract yourself with all this, this whole other side thing you're doing, doing, or what, what, is it a side thing? What, what's going on there? Um, I, I like Brunson, man. I, I'm rooting for Brunson to win here. If you're betting on Brunson, I'm rooting for you too. But my pick is Cannoneer. Um, you know, you could argue that the fighters were exposed and or known kind of, you know, fish out of the water in certain positions and were just really stylistically favorable, undermatched in certain departments and experience to Brunson, you know, with his recent run. Um, and there were moments, sketchy moments in all those fights. Whereas Cannoneer, you know, uh, getting him on his back's always been the thing. And, you know, I made made some nice money against him on Glover back in the day. But you look at that, that's, that was, this month, It's that was two years ago. Um, you know, on uh, that card, or five years ago, half a decade ago, right? Like, holy crap! Uh, and his his wrestling and stuff's gotten better because, of course, he's at MMA Lab. That's like the get up camp, you know, fight the hands and get up, make make them work. They might get us down, but we're gonna make them work. Um, and he has that technique, not just the athleticism and explosiveness and all the other, you know, <laughs> usual uh, descriptors. Um. Uh, people of color tend to get <laughs> in the sports world, but no, he actually has skill, folks. Which I, you know, uh, but yes, he does have the the crazy, stupid strength to go along with it. I'm definitely not denying that. And when you do factor that in, um, I think Brunson will get him down. But Brunson's not necessarily game over. It was fast with Darren Till, but Darren Till that was kind of like his last hurrah, and he was already hurt. Um, Brunson was, you know, coming off being hurt, so he was in kind of panic, fight or flight mode. Um, but there's been plenty of uh, times where Brunson could take the back and he's not selling out like that or selling out for mounts, you know. Um, that was kind of an anomaly. Mainly it's control, and he's got really dangerous ground and pound. That's where he really makes the game change. That's where he really changed the game against a lot of these guys and made them kind of either either give up or just damage them brutally like Shabazian, right? Um but I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Cannonier. Because even if he gets him down, that guy's, you know, he's got to be fighting a re-wrestling because Cannonier's going to be bellying 
down, scoot his back to the fence, tripoding up, fighting hands. Um, and uh, as far as the striking that's gotten better, um, it's been Cannoneer's counters. Uh, he almost, you know, speaking of counter hooks, I forgot he almost, you know, uh, he hurts Whitaker in the third round with a check right hook um, off the counter. With a come forward right hook, which, by the way, you know, Derek Brunson from Yoel Romero to Jacare Souza has been, you know, put down by hooks coming forward and off the counter. So that's why I'm mentioning these. Um, he put put down Gastelum real bad with a come forward right hook, right? Um, and aside from that, a shot that he's gotten really good at since he got a. By the way, he's. Two and two against Southpaws, and it was hard to what to make of it because at first he, you know, Sean Jordan, heavyweight, early Cannoneer, shouldn't be at heavyweight, first UFC fight. He, he gets checked right hook himself way back in the day, almost like a decade ago, right? Um, next Southpaw loss doesn't come till Dominic Reyes. That's by uppercut, right? Uh, beats Anderson Silva. It's an old Anderson Silva. It's a leg injury, and and so Kelvin Gastelum is just kind of his first fully fledged Southpaw win. You could say right now he's so he's two and two and now he's going against um a Derek Brunson um and the left's gonna be live Cannonier mainly gets hit by lefts uh but since he got hit by that left uppercut his uppercuts have gotten really mean really good timing really fast really good sense for him and that shot's hurt Brunson a bunch of times because he's a shelling ducking level changing wrestler so, you know, there's just, uh, I think even Hermanson looked like he got rocked shooting into Cannoneer's hip. The guy looks like he's made of the fucking crystals that he he uh, keeps his pets or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, man. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going with uh, uh, Cannoneer. Cannoneer. Um, round two knockout is the official pick, but I'm not betting it. Good luck if you are. Uh, Kyler Phillips minus 425. Kyler Phillips. Marcelo Rojo plus 320. Um, Phillips was going to be a parlay piece, but he's the, the biggest favorite uh, alarm went off. And then the more I watched Rojo fight, the more respect I had for him. Um, I Part of me was going to pick Phillips and sprinkle on submission because if you look at it, if you do this, the old sure dog breakdown, you're like, Rojo's most of his losses are by submission. And Kyler Phillips... Evenly, he has one submission, but he recently uh, got his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He was a brown belt under Carlson Gracie. I think Tokino gave him his black belt, so I don't know what the math is there. But, you know, legit lineages, legit training partner, what teachers, whatever, there. So he's a black belt. Uh, talented kid on the ground, can pass, can move, can strike to open up those submissions. And um, when Rojo gets on his back, uh, he doesn't look great there. And that's where he's finished most of the time. That being said, Rojo has gotten finishes off his back, even though I, that jiu-jitsu only is working on lower-level guys. And more importantly, Rojo's wrestling seems to be getting better and better. Even in his earlier Combate America stuff, like uh, it had to be good level-changing doubles for Castaneda to get him down. Um, and his single defense and a defense against the cage is actually pretty dang good. Uh, that being said, he likes to pressure forward, and Kyler likes to kind of dance around. So it's pretty much going to be Marcelo Rojo pressuring forward. Uh, looking to leg kick and body shot and then come up high while Kyler Phillips. Um, Rojo's defense isn't great. Like, counter crosses seem to hit him the most. And Kyler Phillips has that, like, run you over counter cross. Or if you're too close, uh, it turns into, like, a counter blitzing elbow. That's going to be there all day. 
that's going to be the best shot of him stopping or starting to stop uh, that downfall avalanche, if you will, of Rojo. Or that same dynamic is going to happen. He's going to come forward and he's going to level mix that with the level-changing doubles, which is good because those are the best takedowns um, to get Rojo down with. And if he's down there, I think he can outwork him and find a finish. But Phillips, even though I like his, even though he's kind of eccentric, um, I like the more contained, humble eccentricness that he's showing this time around, for whatever that's worth. But he's still kind of a wild dude who's just kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna live in the moment, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the wind tell me where to go, you know, like so much. So it's like, and you know. Rojo's a guy you have to control, whereas Phillips is a wild man, right, still. so, I, and, and then Rojo really works the body really well. Um, you know, when he does get guys into the fence, he, he, he unloads. Uh, training with talented dudes like Moreno, so it's like, well, yeah, no shit, his boxing and his wrestling uh, are, are looking good. It's not just like wild, multi-layered Muay Thai kickboxing, like, yeah, I, I got some. I got more respect for Rojo this time around. Uh, I'm still gonna pick Phillips. I'm still gonna pick him inside the distance, but I took him out out of a parlay as a money line, and instead I actually put the under in a two piece parlay. I usually don't do this. I have two parlays because of this, but I have a totals parlay that's a two leg. This is one leg of it. It's the under because I think someone's getting finished, and uh, that's the only comfortable action I honestly have on this card because I'm not comfortable money lines on either side. Next fight, no parlays, no props, no totals. Bobby Green, minus 145 this week on Hack, plus 125 for Nazrat Hack Perass. That's right. You guys know what time it is. Let me get some water. Bobby Green Boys Club. Mount up. It was a cold, dark night with Bobby Green. And he's... <laughs> I'm not going to get into some fucking lame orange. I'm too tired for that. Um, Yeah, this one was interesting because Bobby Green is like... I think he's like... He's 3-3 three and three against Southpaws or something, right? Like, what is it? He's... What is it? He's 3-4 and four against UFC Southpaws, but he should be 4-3. and three. Um... Because he, he, when I look back at it, he beat Trinaldo. I can't remember what my take was. I remember I had trouble, trouble picking that fight. I think I ended up picking Trinaldo to get a decision that he didn't deserve. And I think I was right in that sense. Um, especially looking back at it. Uh, and then his others are like really early back in the day. Dan on by submission. Like out of affliction. A little bit after that, fights Tim Means. And it's crazy ass fight. You guys should go back and watch King of the Cage, Tim Means. Um, but outside of that, like, he really, you know, um, like, you know, it's, he's really, uh, he has the same approach now as Southpaw to Orthodox, and you fast forward, you know, 10 years. Now it's just, he's really, if you're a Southpaw, he's going to go Southpaw too and jab you, and I think that's going to be really useful to take away, um, Hack Parass's kick, you know, I'll, uh, um, it's going to feel like, uh, what do you call it, Calvin Cater and, and Giga in a certain sense, um, mixed with the dynamic of Robert Whitaker because the dangerous part, depending on how Hack Prass wants to play it, this is this is hard because Hack Prass has not uh, um, evolved, at least to a lot of analysts like myself, 
way we like to expect because at least I can speak for myself is very high on hack brass when he came in. I picked against him, but I said, look out for this guy. There's going to be a lot to like, and there was, even though he lost. So I was I was right in that sense, and I stuck with that. But in the last three or four fights, um, between pandemic and training being all around, he was still seeming to be working with slash getting cornered by Faraz Sahabi. And the TriStar thing was happening to him where he was kind of turning into a back foot fighter. Um, and I don't think that suits Hack Brass at all. I think he's got to be like a pressure fighter like the guy he looks like, Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, he does split time up at Kings, which it looks like he did more of this time around. And even in an interview, he said, you know, oh, I fought really bad in my last fight. I was on the back foot. And part of me was like, you're on the back foot in like all your fights now. But then part of me was like, well, that's good that he's acknowledging that, right? Um, because that means he's going to come forward and fight to his strength. But here's the dilemma. Even though back foot Nazareth is, I don't like it. I would argue that it's not as good, yada, yada, yada. It actually might actually be, if, if, if he reverts back to that, it actually may serve him better in this fight because like Whitaker, when when Bobby Green has to come forward, not as good, right? Um, I believe I wrote that in my, my notes here too. Yeah, Whitaker similarities. Um, yeah, uh, yep, as weakness is coming forward. Back defense, they actually have similar back defense too and how they how they uh, thwart back takes. They actually do a similar uh, little scoop with their elbow that I, I use all the time. I love. Um, but yeah, he actually does that. So if Nazrat makes the adjustment that he's talking about and that many have asked for, it may actually be worse because then he's going to be walking into Green's counters and giving him what he wants. Now, Nazrat does throw counter hooks. And if you, I went back to look at the shots, it's not so much rights more than lefts. It's really just hard hooks or hard counter hooks um, at the right times that seem to catch Green. And with the way judges judge his fights, you know, that sometimes that's all you need. And again, I'm, I'm less mad at that Moises fight. If you look back at it, it has a lot of these things. Oh, by the way, Tony C., I'm going to backtrack one second uh, and answer your question for Brunson. Um, Tony C. asked about what I scored, my honest opinions for Anderson Silva, Derek Brunson. And uh, I just want to give off a couple notes on that because it's apropos to what I'm talking about here, um, which is uh, Bobby Green fighting like Tiago Moises. Even though it was a legal shot that Bobby thought was an eye poke, the fact is he had not acknowledged it. And a lot of the things in controversial decisions that I noticed, a lot of the key factors is... Body work and leg work not being counted. Bobby Green right there, especially the body work. Um, bad body language in the form of either gassing, which wasn't Bobby Green, or acknowledging that you're hurt. And Bobby Green did that. Um, then there's the intangible, which you know I know people will argue with me. But I, again, I'm not saying people, judges inherently do it. Obviously, they know better not to, and they mean not to. But I do feel like if there's a close round and... You know, there are certain things. Maybe it's the reason why I pick Whitaker maybe over, you know, um, Adesanya, right? Because, you know, uh, even though I'm a Bobby Green fan, so it's not like I'm just like, you know, and I keep the same energy. I, 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 I'm I just trying to kind of uh, soften the blow here because, I, you know, I don't like, you know, the confident, too cocky. I'm not saying is yours cocky, but that's, those are the words, and that's the barometer, confident, cocky. I, I don't relate to that as much. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you need it as a fighter. I'm, so there's nothing wrong with that or being that or liking that, folks. I'm just saying what I resonate and relate to is more of a Robert Whitaker, more 
of you know uh, workmanlike, uh, humble, trying to be humble, trying to you know uh, be grateful, focus on family, you know, uh, these sort of things kind of resonate with me. And I'm hesitant to say that because a lot of there's a lot of racism veiled into that. Like, oh, he's blue collar. Well, well, he's white. Oh, he's cocky. Oh, he's a confident person of color. There's definitely a lot of that. So believe me, it's not the case here. Again, I'm a Bobby Green fan. That's a different thing. Bobby Green does it uh, for tactics, and even that he doesn't do it as much because he has the same theory that I did. Judges in close rounds probably aren't going to give it to him. Probably, you know, even if they don't think that, they're like, fuck that guy, you know. Uh, so again, it's, it's it's they're two different things, right? And, and I and I and again, I keep that same energy uh, for for white guys too. It's, you guys know I'm not a big Connor fan. You know, I'm not saying Connor's the same as Izzy, although he's starting to sound a lot more like Connor, huh? Izzy starting to sound a lot more like a lot of the company people or through people who were company people at a certain time because they had to be and so on and so forth. Not judging, just saying. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, you know, what was I saying with, with Bobby Green? Uh, yeah, yeah, counter hooks, but yeah, he gets uh, that body language. Um, it can hurt him. And we're in Texas, folks. And like, you know, even though it wouldn't have mattered, he should have lost the physique anyways. You know, you had that judge and who had the uh, really weird response online for his thirty twenty seven card for Fazeev, uh when it was like a clear round for Bobby Green <laughs> and. Like, I would have accepted a 10-8 Bobby Green that round more than a 10-9 Fazeev. Um, so, you know, it's definitely worrisome. But, like I said, uh, I ended up laying it. Um, because this is kind of the other favorite I laid. It was it was veterans who were in, seemed to be in really good places from their interviews to how they've been fighting lately, so on and so forth. It doesn't mean everything. They can still lose, of course, it's MMA. But they are veterans who are better. Um... The people they are fighting do have passed to victories, but in this case, in the other straight bet that I'm playing to uh, of a veteran uh, for playable chalk, uh, there's paths there for sure, but they haven't shown it against upper-level competition, and whenever they've sniffed anything, whatever their nearest relevance of upper-level competition is, they've lost, and that's what I'm betting on here. Um... So I just laid the money line, not by decision. And I tried to limit my decisions. And if I did do it, I limited the units because we're in Texas, folks. Just a heads up. But I, I play Bobby Green straight up. Now, as far as that decision talk and, and judging talk, um, real quick, Derek Brunson, Anderson Silva. This one's for you, my man, Tony. Um, you know, I that was a, another card where um, I got uh, all my picks right. So I'm biased. And I picked Anderson Silva. Uh, but even though I was biased and I picked Anderson Silva, I remember scoring it for Brunson live and then feeling like I got away with one after. And I've kind of always felt that way. But when I went back to watch it, I'll be honest, uh, Tony, um, and anybody, you know, who, uh, you know, oh, Brownie, you scared the shit out of me coming over my shoulder. Anybody who, who bet this and stuff, uh, you know, believe me, my, heart, my heart's with you. Uh, I'm not saying it's not, but... You know, I try to give my honest opinion here. And Tony wanted my honest opinion how I scored it. And round one, um, I uh, I score for Brunson, but it's it, it's closer than I remembered. And even though I still would score it for Brunson, and, we you know, you got to remember we have the benefit to rewatch it. These judges don't, folks. Um, 
Body language is a big key, and even though Brunson has bigger moments, more strikes, harder strikes, etc., um, that should make it clear enough, plus finishing on top for whatever that's worth. Um, the way Anderson no-sells, and he really does a good job at bullshitting the judges, and again, body language is huge, right? Um, and although, uh, that's the problem, too, with a lot of these decisions, is we get like some rogue 30-27, and even though the right person still wins, which not necessarily the case here. It could be contested either way, but I'm just saying in general, it's always annoying as well as focusing on that rogue scorecard. And I do think one of the judges uh, give um, give Silva that round, but because of his body language, the way he no-sells it, and the way he puts pressure and gets, even though he's not hitting Brunson with anything, and Brunson maybe you know hitting him more, Brunson is reacting to Silva's pressure and looking panic and looking uncomfortable, even if Silva's barely throwing and not landing clean or even really hurting him, right? So I don't agree, but I can see how a judge would go that way. I scored that round for Brunson, though. Excuse me, round two. Um, I asked for the clock. Yeah, round two. This is another round that was closer in memory. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember going Brunson uh, initially. But I could totally see how Silva gets this round because it's a close round and Silva hits him in the eye and they say it's a punch, but Brunson is like patting at it multiple times, like blinking it out. And again, bad that's bad body language. And in a close round, the ref's going to go, oh, well, it looks like he hit a damaging shot and the ref didn't say it was illegal, so I have to treat it as legal. Uh, and again, body language too of looking panic. Uh, Brunson asked for the time kind of kind of urgently, you know clock checks and I've been pretty I've been guilty of being overly judgmental of that but in my defense it's because I, I know how it can come off even to judges even um, so I think th these little things in close rounds cost him the round um, and then round three I just wrote tired so I'm pretty sure Brunson was just tired and Anderson more convincingly was able to steal and take that round so on rewatch, I would probably actually, I actually went on this rewatch. I, I, I ever so slightly leaned 29-28 Anderson, edging him rounds two and as well as siding with him round three. Um, I don't agree with the 30-27, but again, these were closer rounds than I realized on rewatch and the body language was worse and uh, for Brunson and better for Anderson than I remembered. So there's that. All right, uh, I'll try to get through the rest of these uh, really fast. Uh, anyways, lay the chalk on, on Bobby Green. Um, we'll see. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, again, same thing, minus 155. Uh, Aya Vendera, give me sight beyond sight. Uh, plus 135. Um, it's heavyweight MMA, and it's an old guy, so I could be asking for it. And maybe Orlovsky's chin comes back to haunt him here. But Vandera doesn't have stupid knockout power. He's only credited with one standing KO. The rest were accumulative from what it looks like. I will say Vandera, a much better striker than giving credit for. He will jab off hooks. I've seen him check inside leg kicks, which will be huge against Orlovsky. Granted, it was Harry Hunsucker's inside leg kicks, but still he checked them nonetheless, and he's heavyweight, right? Come on now. Um, he shows a bit of heavy uh, uh, head movement in, in the open, but... He can be jabbed and counter-crossed really uh, easily, which I think is going to be Arlovsky's money for this fight, uh, more than the kicks. Um, and he's got a good gas tank when he's striking. It's it's really odd. Vandera's main coach is a D1 wrestler whose strength and conditioning 
And even though he splits time and doesn't do as much time at Team Quest, comes from a wrestling gym, uh, is a jujitsu black belt. Before that, apparently said he came from wrestling, and he was even just joking on something. My wrestling should be a lot better than it is. I don't know what's going on. And if you look at his fights from the TKO losses to the submission ones, um, they're fights where he's grappling, and even the submission one that he's able to pull out in his career, it's like a leg lock, super low percentage especially at heavyweight, which also meant that he was either on his back in the first place or was on top and voluntarily gave position in a gamble, right? So uh, I don't know about that. And then you look at Orlovsky open at minus 300. Um, I could see why, and I would never pay for that ticket. But if you're going to bring it all the way down, literally at half price to minus 150, or in one house, I got him for minus 145. Again, minus 150 and lower is playable chalk in my cheap book. Um, so I took a shot on Orlovsky, you know, uh, even though I feel like this one's destined to go to decision, I feel like Orlovsky has just as much of a chance to knock out Vandera as Vandera does him. Um, but traditionally, if no one can do it early, then it's not going to be done at all. Whereas Vandera, I think his best chance of getting a stop would be late if he can get Orlovsky to tire like last fight, but even last fight, he's still able to survive. Like I was read this about Orlovsky. Orlovsky gives a lot of cheeky nodders, as Jack Slack would say. Shout out to him. A lot of headbutts. And I so I think, I know I was wrong on this last time, but um, Vandera looks like he's, uh, you know, will charge him with his head too, and he cuts a lot. So I think Vandera is going to cut easily, whether it's from legal blows or illegal ones. And Andre will take the time to recover from that because he's a veteran. Anything close to a low blow, Andre always checks with the ref and, like, throws a little, like, he won't contest to the point where he'll get, like, kneed in the face, a la Bisping, uh, Anderson Silva, end of round three. But he'll acknowledge and engage the ref enough, like, like he's just like a fly fishing reel. He's just whipping it out there real quick to see if anything bites, you know? Uh, he's a real fucking veteran. So even if he is getting tired, I think, A, he can survive and or create time to survive and win rounds. We've seen him win the last two rounds of fights after having rough starts in this late age of his career. We saw that with the Chase Sherman fight, where... He looked actually softer than he did his last time out, but his cardio was better, whereas last time out, he looked more shredded than he has in a while, and he looks great coming into this fight, by the way, folks. But he did slow down in that third round again. Philippe um, put a lot more meaningful pressure than Sherman and more consistent, even though it wasn't that effective in itself. I'm just saying it was more meaningful and consistent if I had to pick. And my guess why, or, or guess as to, um, sorry, guess as to, uh, as to why. Um, but, uh, wow, this podcast is going long, sorry. But, yeah, um, I, I think he can get it done here. Um, that being said, it is Texas, and maybe Vandera does get it close. Uh, Arlovsky hasn't shot in, like, eight fights, not since, like, 2018 or 2019. Like, I think only because he was hurt against Walt Harris and then the fight before that. Um... But the way Vandera has been taken down, um, the the way I've seen him, only ways I've seen him taken down, is the 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 one takedown Orlovsky does show body lock outside trip. <laughs> so, like the takedowns that Vandera has really fell victim to that have sealed his deal have been the exact takedown that for what it's worth Orlovsky does go to. Um, I think he can grab clinch time if he's if he's hurt, uh, if he does get hurt. And, uh, yeah, I took a shot on him here. And what I did was uh, I 
the over in this fight is the second leg to the under of Phillips Rojo. So I took over 2.5 in this fight, Vandero Orlovsky for minus 210, parlayed it with um, Kyler Phillips and Rojo under 2.5 at minus 70 for plus 134 at one unit and laid 1.45 units at minus 145 for the Orlovsky money line. Hopefully both hit. If not, hopefully that parlay bails me out. That's kind of how I layered it. Let's hope for the best. Pushing on, um, first leg of the regular three-leg parlay. Um, this one probably won't be. I'll probably put the total one. Lester right in my um, odds checker article. This one will be for you guys. Uh, Casey O'Neill first leg, minus 400. Roxanne Monteferi. Plus 300, not taking the vet here, but again, I am sticking in line with the narrative of fighters who are here to do business, sound like they're here to do business, sound like they have their priorities straight, don't have a lot of distractions. Whereas Marta Ferry, she's trying to plan her after party in Texas, her after party in Vegas. You know, she's got plans to get married, all these things. Good for her, by the way. I'm glad she found a... She found a... a, a love and wants to start a family. That's awesome. Um, I wish her all the best. Absolute pioneer, not just for women, but in MMA in general. Um, all that and more. But uh, I'm going with Casey O'Neill here. She's just physical and better at doing what Montefiore wants to do, I believe, at this stage of their careers. And physical girls who could grapple really well from topside and kind of uh, have a sharper sword in that department than Roxanne. Have, I've still given her trouble even uh, in her more improved phases of her career. And I feel that beat rolls on with the uh, more athletic younger phenoms that have been rolling her way. Um, I'm picking O'Neill by decision. Uh, if I could get it in plus money, I'd play it, but I couldn't in either house, so I, I left it alone because she could also get a finish. She's aggressive as hell. So it was probably a good thing that I couldn't find it at plus money. You know me, I like to beef up the legs. That was the only reason why I was looking. So I left it as is. This is a three-leg. I've got bonus things to play in other ones, which I'll give you. Uh, as the next leg is Alex Perez, minus 380, Matt Schnell, plus 290. I feel like I've broken this fight down a bunch of times um, to where I've forgotten the points almost. But basically, I think you can argue that Schnell, you can really pick apart the fights he's won, slash really won, slash who he's beat, right? You can do that game for sure, no disrespect, but any of the parties involved, but you can definitely do that. Um, whereas Perez, you can do that a bit of the other way. You know, he's got some stoppage losses, but they were really early in his career when he was just like coaching wrestling and not really taking it too seriously, maybe fighting up divisions. Um, you know, he does have a newborn, but the guy, you know, he's, you know, for the for the most part, seems like a real game day performer. Um, the Joseph Benavides TKO loss, you got to remember that he got headbutted twice in that fight. Even Joseph Benavides acknowledged it. Um, it wasn't a clean win. And I, I'm a big Joby fan. You guys know that. I'm Joby Stan. But it, Joe himself said it. You can go look in Fight Pass. He says it after, okay? Um, and then Figueredo's Figueredo, and that was like, you know, Figueredo, you know, it was just a weird fight. It got put on uh, semi-short notice, if you remember that, and, um, I picked Perez, but it just was like, Figueredo made like a bunch of wrong decisions and was rewarded for it, kind of a fight, on top of being Figueredo. You know, in other words, he could have won it anyways, because he's, he's a legit good fighter, but it was just really one of those annoying athletic cheater kind of fights. Um... Aside from that, the guy has been you know undefeated in the UFC. He's a finisher. Uh, I see him chopping down with leg kicks, uh, landing the more powerful shots if it does go to the decision. But 
even though um, Matt Chanel's durability seems to have gotten better, I think that's more of him fighting smarter. And although the big cage will certainly help, um, I don't think the crowds are even really going to help scorecards with the fight. Otherwise, I don't think they're really going to care once the fight gets going because um, whether it's a fast-paced fight or not, Perez is going to have the more fan-friendly style, and the fans will be on Perez's uh, probably aside uh, not far for long. Or, you know, it won't take long. Um, but also, you know, and I, and I know the regular heartbeat stuff is not, you know, it, it, depending on when they test you, it could have been an anomaly, like Chanel said, but I don't know, man. I think he's kind of growing out of, and you could say it for Perez because he's a big flyweight too, but he's never shown the same kind of is, uh, issues of durability and other things like, you know, being pulled off the scale and other things like, like Chanel. And even if that was an ano anomaly, I don't know about him making this cut at this point. A lot of the fights, too, that where he didn't get knocked out were up at 135 during the pandemic. So you got to. I also think that that's part of it. If he's going back down to 125 here. Um, yep, which is listed. I don't like that. Um, Schnell also, it's, uh, it's bootlick and bootstrap season. Um, and, uh, you know. Whether it's a billionaire or a billionaire company or a millionaire or I don't know, like I give a shit. I'm not. I'm not trying to cancel anything. I don't, I don't believe in canceling stuff. No, no, no one's canceling these people. But like, there's just the it's, it's bootlicking and, and bootstrapping season. Let's just say, and, and it's kind of funny watching uh watching uh all the simp's get 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 all upset. But uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Perez. I've been high on him anyways. And uh, I played him inside the distance at plus 100 for 0.77 unit at one house. At an um, at another house, uh, I couldn't get that. So I, it made me pick between 7 KO. I ended up picking KO because um, I don't think Schnell's going to shoot on him if he's hurt. And if he does, uh, you know, Alex Perez does have a good, really good headlock game. But I also... Got to imagine he's going to try to be smart and just pound him out no matter what the position is and not give Chanel a chance to grapple. Um, so I played by KO at plus 190 for half a unit. If that hits, that covers the parlay. If the inside the distance hits um, for a lesser number despite slightly more units, um, it'll cover most of the parlay, what I'm exposing myself. So that's kind of how I, I have it in my head. And then I did a prop parlay that I was like one close off of last week. By the way, I think it went nine and three overall, two and zero straight, three and two props, one and zero slash one and one depending on how you count it in uh, parlay. And I had a so close to a plus five thirty nine flyer. I had um, Shavcat inside the distance. Uh, what was it? Shavcat inside the distance. Uh, Davis by decision and Soriano by decision. And of course, if that's Soriano by decision, oh my God, that would have been sweet. Um, I did another one like that this week and that Perez inside the distance, the plus 100, the lesser line is a part of it. And uh, we'll continue on. Um, try to go fast. Uh, Maxim Grishin, minus 165, Thick Willie, Willie Knight, plus 145. Believe it or not, I'm not picking Thick Willie. My heart's with Thick Willie. If you bet Thick Willie, my heart is with you. Um, but I'm picking Grishin. I just think he's too experienced. I think the height's going to be problematic if you look at, like, Thick Willie's history, the taller fighters, uh, Da Anjung. Um, 
use similar takedowns. I've seen Grishin hit when he doesn't want to hit takedowns. Grishin can jab, counter hooks, counter crosses, um, can leg kick as well. But I think Thick Willie's going to have to either hurt him with a leg kick, freak knock him out early, or have a Derek Lewis-like comeback late are his pathways. So Thick, thick Willie money line, Thick Willie KO, Thick Willie round three. If, if you wanted to sprinkle on Thick Willie, but I'm just going to be rooting for the thickness. This is a tough matchup to pick him in. I know he said he's ready to knock out Grishin and ready for this fight, but it's, you know, still two weeks' notice. Max and Grishin looks in great shape. I know he missed weight last time. Looks in great shape. Looks like he's really been working his boxing as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Max and Grishin. No play. Don't feel like sweating it over for even money either. Um... Uh, Ronnie Lawrence, minus 300. Uh, Leo Mana Martinez, plus 235. Big fan of Mana Martinez and the, you know, traditional martial arts background. And, the, the you know, seems like a good, you know, local kid. But uh, the pick is Ronnie Lawrence here to get his wrestling and possibly improve striking. It's been a year since we've seen him. And he's been at Sanford MMA this whole time. So he's getting hard sparring in, uh, even though Ronnie Lawrence is porous defense and... Uh, Martinez is better striking. Martinez's defense ain't that great either uh, from leg kicks to otherwise. Um, leg kicks were wrong, though. He was checking some and missing some, and, like, uh, it still says Guido Canetti land, like, 32 out of 33. I swear, another reason why you can't trust these stats, folks, like, they'll count checks as landed kicks. Um, they won't count takedowns. They will count takedown attempts that weren't even there. Like, there's so much of that shit, even on every card, folks. Another reason why... I hate stats and people hang their hat on them. It's it's not accurate. You know, they're, they're, they're very loose guidelines at the least. Um, but yes, uh, Mono Martinez still, you know, still the majority of leg kicks land, which is bad because Ronnie Lawrence is the one strike he's really good at. And then he's going to have this, the Sanford MMA plus his crazy chain wrestling and grounded pound, um, his karate distancing to keep him safe. Uh, he's a parlay piece here. Um, I parlayed him with uh, uh, O'Neal, uh, Lawrence minus 310, O'Neal minus 400, Perez minus 380 for plus 108 at one unit. And I also uh, took Lawrence by decision. Mana Martinez, he only been submitted once. It was kind of like a freak perfect submission. Lawrence doesn't really look for the subs, and I imagine most of his improvements are in the stand-up where they need to be, where his camp specializes in. Um, and... Uh, I'm pretty sure Martinez, I know he's Texas, but I'm pretty sure he's a whole, you know, he's got some Hawaiian in him. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to bank on that chin. Uh, and I took Lawrence by decision at plus money, um, plus 105. I only did 0.33 units, so if it hits, it doesn't buy me out of the parlay. It only covers like a third of the parlay. Um, but it was the only bonus that seemed logical, and I didn't want to overlay on decision props. Um, because we are in Texas, but I do think that's how he wins. Um, and I parlayed it to Phillips inside the distance, which is minus 150. I think I just put like point like seven bucks, just like four or seven dollars, something small, just in order to do the parlay. Uh, I wasn't gonna lay any real chalk, so there's I can't even really count that as a real parlay bet individually. Because um, I'm already overexposed on that. I wasn't gonna lay the minus 150, but I want but. I'm so picky on my props, man. There wasn't much I liked. Um, and this was the only one I, I, I that made sense. It's not as good of a number. It's only plus 538 instead of plus 1539 like last week, right? About a 1,000 less. 
But um, if Perez wins inside the distance, if Lawrence wins by the de- decision, and Phillips wins inside the distance, um, I put seventeen dollars on pl- at plus five thirty eight. So, you know, that'll be an- another extra hundo. Um, all right, next fight. Uh, Anato Moicano minus one sixty. Alexander Hernandez plus one forty. This fight got more interesting the more I researched it. I went back and forth. Ended up not playing it. Um, I'm going to stick with my Moicano pick. Uh, not confident enough for Chalk. I think Alex Hernandez has some ways to win. He can come out at the gate, and um, if Moicano is still up in his head, which he looked like he could have been in, 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 you know, um, at, at parts, but he his defense, he recovered well against Jai Herbert, got the job done. And sounds much smarter. He's like, you know, he admitted he's falling over his boxing. He had the wrong mindset. And... Uh, He's like, I'm good at grappling. Why aren't I using it? And if you ever heard early breakdowns from from myself or 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 people that like are actually worth a shit, like on the broadcast, like Brian Stan back in the day, um, you would have heard, you know, the, the Moicano's ground game being talked about. You would have seen more flashes of it, and he really did get away from it. So I'm glad he's getting to it. I've interviewed him in person. He's giant, Alex Hernandez. I've not interviewed him in person, but he's not a very big lightweight. Both these guys are former featherweights. Um, and Hernandez is, he wrestled in high school, but not in college. So he looks like he can obviously capably wrestle. He hasn't added to the brown belt that he came in with the UFC with, but clearly he's got good meld of top grappling, especially, right? Can scramble and wrestle well. Um, he did it to OAM, but outside of OAM, that's like the most notable person he's really uh, uh, been able to grapple with. And even OAM was like one mistake away from um, winning round two. Uh, which would have uh, got him, which which could have got him the fight. Um, it's really one one real mistake in a certain position. I'm a big fan of uh, OAM. Um, heck, I think he even follows me for betting stuff. But like, you know, he was more of a judo and traditional jujitsu guy, is where his ranks and black belts were. It wasn't wrestling or Brazilian jujitsu, I don't believe. And you know, OAM's, you know, he can submit from bottom, as we saw in Dober. Um, but again, in MMA, that's not that high percentage, no matter who you are, not a knock on OAM to really be on top and Hernandez being the better wrestler, him maybe underestimating him, not expecting it. OAM where he was in his career at that point of his career, especially like, you know, and I picked Alex Hernandez, so I'm not trying to revisit his history on my own correct pick, but I'm just saying, you know, like we could pull coals here, you know, could he come out and grind Moicano? I suppose, but. I, we haven't seen anybody do that. Even the one submission loss, um, it was Moicano that was controlling the grappling. Moicano landed every takedown he shot on Brian Ortega and stuffed every takedown Brian Ortega shot. He was controlling the grappling. Of course, he still lost because, you know, opportunistic uh, elite level black belt like uh, Ortega, you know, perhaps the exception there. Um, but you really got to be. Uh, you know, a knockout puncher, and Hernandez has shown that he has that, but if he doesn't have it in the first round, I don't trust him to do that. Um, both with his, his gas tank, his process, his confidence, and not to mention Moicano's style, especially his newfound style. Um, he's probably going to have this on the ground. Mo- Moicano also doesn't seem to tire. Um, Hernandez doesn't seem like he'll be easy to take down or hold down, but Moicano is such a good back taker. And the scrambling style, that that wrestling scrambling style that Hernandez does, it seems like he's priming to give his back. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Hernandez uh, eventually gets cooked over two rounds and, and gets submitted for the first time in round two. That's going to be my official pick. Fortunately, Moicano by sub. 
is only like plus 250. I would want it like around plus 500 for me to take a stab. Wishful thinking, I know. I'm just saying. Not high enough for me. Don't want to lay the chalk. Don't feel good on the total. I was looking for, uh, was going to pick Hernandez. And, you know, you could make some potential improvements here. But, I don't know. I feel like Moicano can either outpoint him with leg kicks and counters and point game. Or what I suspect, um, cook him steadily uh, over a couple rounds with grappling. And really, you know, not so much expose Hernandez as to really just more show how good he is, right? No knock on Hernandez. So I'm going to go Moicano, round two, sub. No plays. Um, Carlos Ober, Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Swing. <laughs> Olberg. <laughs> this this Saturday we've got the Shabbos Swingers versus the Rib Roasting Rabbis. <laughs> Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Rosenstra. Sorry. I'm gonna take Olberg over Sharant. Um, no big reason. If Sharant can can survive, then maybe he can win. He's won five round decisions before. But I don't think he can get the fight that crazy cooking temperature um, that uh, Kennedy did with Olberg and uh, without getting torched. So I'm going to go Olberg, but I'm staying away from that fight. Um, AJ Dobson, minus 115. Jacob Malkoon, minus 105. I would have took a shot on Malkoon at that plus money, but again, I'm bad at getting those lines, folks. So that wasn't me. Um, Dobson got an A under migrating the winners, but... Uh, I don't think he was that memorable, and uh, I think Malkoon can uh, outlast and make this ugly. I'm going to go Malkoon to make this long by decision. Um, next fight, Sergey Morozov, minus 210. Douglas Silva, D'Andrage, plus 175. I'm going with my guy, D'Andrage, taking pictures next to the doctor, looking healthy. This is just, to put simply, an experience spot. He, he's only lost to the best guys. He's a striker. He's got. He actually has decent um, takedown defense. He's strong there, and, and he's not a fish out of water um, on, on the ground. And I don't think Sergey Morozov is, is game over. I admittedly don't have the bio sheet in front of me. It wasn't sent to me this week, but I do have some from past ones, and I remember his. And I remember. And this doesn't necessarily mean anything because, like, I think Timur Valiev was an accountant. He's actually a pretty good fighter. But he was like similar thing with that. Like Morozov, there was no master of sports in wrestling. Not even the hand to hat combat. Maybe you have some amateur MMA stuff and, like, an amateur title or an M1 or whatever the thing he was in. But, like, you know, um, you know, he, he's mixed wins and losses. And he's, he, he's I think he came up, like, with an engineering degree or something was his main thing. Like, he went to school for it. He didn't even do, like, the Master Sports Wrestling or anything like that. Um, I don't think his ground game is potent enough to not just not finish DeAndraj, but I... I, I, um, I I'm not sure it's enough to win rounds. And I think DeAndrade's striking is going to be too much. He's going to have the big cage to strike in. He's older, but not completely you know, over the hill. Over 36 is the flag zone. He's at 36. Morozov, not too much younger. I think he's like 33 or 32, you know, uh, uh, entering the later prime uh, as well. So um, this line just doesn't make sense. Uh, it hasn't really moved any. I don't know if it's, you know, the, the, they, they see the OV at the end kind of a deal, and they see an older fighter because that's just been the move. Let's fade all the old people. But uh, I'm going to take an old dog here, and I put a whole unit on uh, Douglas De Silva D'Andrade. If he hits, it'll be nice. That'll 
it'll almost cover both parlays if he hits. Um, got him at plus 170 at one house, plus 175 at the other. Um, so, yeah, that's the uh, dog that's going to be on the Odds Checker article. Jer- Jeremiah was a bull for Brown. Minus 235. Mike Mathena plus 190. Boys, it's going to be live. Uh, I don't know. I was going to take Jeremiah Wells. Uh, I didn't get time to look into this fight. I bet you there's probably opportunity on Wells, though, if it's a, you know, is he just getting his boy in? But there's not a lot of experience, and I didn't, I didn't watch what little tape there is out there. So I can't say either way. So I picked Jeremiah Wells and stayed away. Sorry for the long breakdown, folks. Let's see how we did. Oof, 151. All right, let's recap, pick some plays, and get the fuck out of here. Taking Whitaker over Adesanya. Taking Tuivasa over Lewis. I know. Taking Cannonier over Brunson. Hearts with Brunson. Taking... Phillips over Rojo, taking Bobby Green, Boys Club mount up over this week on Hack Brass. Taking Orlovsky over Ivandera, give me sight beyond sight. Taking O'Neal over Mataferi, taking Perez over Schnell. Taking Grishin over Thick Willie, hearts with Thick Willie and Thick Willie backers. Taking Lawrence over Martinez, taking Moicano over Hernandez, taking Olberg over Sharon, taking Malkoon over Dobson. Taking Andrade over Morozov, taking Wells over Mathena, parlayed Lawrence Phil, uh, or sorry, I parlayed uh, Vandera Orlovsky over, and Phillips Rojo under for plus one thirty four at one unit. Parlayed Lawrence O'Neill and Perez for plus one hundred eight at one unit. Straight I took Orlovsky minus one forty five one point four five units, Green minus one forty one point four units, and Silva Diandra. Uh, uh, Silva D'Andrage, plus 171 unit. Um, maybe tie or Reaper if I'm up, and those lines also inflate. Caveats there. Uh, props, Perez inside the distance, plus 100.77. By KO, plus 190 in another house of 0.5 units. Lawrence by decision, plus 105.33 units. Phillips inside the distance, only added that for the parlay of Lawrence and Perez inside the distance for plus 538 at 0.17 units. And that will be the plays for UFC 271. Good luck on your picks and plays. Take care of your loved ones. Look out for one another. And always protect your necks.